Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Michelle is Filled with Self-Loathing and JD's Internet Sucks. My Yay. name is Michelle, and who's here with me? It's JD with the shitty internet. Here's the thing about it, Michelle, is this internet was fine. We mm-hmm. never, except for a couple of times uh, where there was other stuff going on, some weather and whatnot, I never had any trouble with this internet until I moved to this new apartment, and now my internet is bullshit, and it's frustrating. But we figured out a workaround, and we're here now, half an hour later than we wanted to be, to record this here episode. What is this here episode, Michelle? It is the December recap episode. Michelle, we have a name for that. Oh, we watch stuff. Yes, it's called We Watch Stuff, December 2023. December 2023. It is almost 2024. Yeah, while you... Oh, geez, excuse me. Sorry, I'm getting medicated. Jeez, Louise. Uh, I know, right? <laughs> no, this is the uh, the episode we started this uh, this series a while back. Uh, where we just kind of take a moment to talk about other awesome things, uh, horror, horror-adjacent, and occasionally non-horror that we also saw this month. Uh, Michelle, mm-hmm. as I understand, you probably have significantly more to talk about than I do, so why don't you go ahead and get started? Yeah, okay. Uh, first off, the one that I will bring up, um, this is my second month deciding to sort these out into categories. So my categories, for those of you who are new to it, are recent horror, older horror, non-horror, news, and literature, which includes books, comics, manga, whatever I felt like reading. Maybe an article, maybe a creepypasta I saw on Reddit. Who knows? If I read it, it'll go into that last section. Uh, So starting off with recent horror, I finally got around to seeing The Blackening, which did release this past year. How was that? 2023 i laughed my ass off i don't know how much i'm allowed to comment on it without being a problematic white person but oh my god it is so funny there is in particular a point where a white person is trying to explain that they are a safe space to this crew of black people who are being killed off by a serial killer and it's so so funny it's really great um it is enjoyable by everybody including a little white midwestern lady yeah it's, it's been on so it's, it's been great. on my list to uh to check out since uh it was out in theaters earlier this year uh just one that uh, i haven't made it around to yet but uh, definitely looking forward to seeing that one it is very very good um my other one is uh this one got quite a lot of buzz and it has been something that has been on my radar for a while so I was really excited and just waiting for the day that it dropped which it did earlier this month and that was Leave the World Behind starring Mm -hmm. Mahershali who I love Ethan Hawke who is my favorite scream queen and Julia Roberts somehow and then some kids whose names I have forgotten Um, Leave the World Behind (laughs) is on Netflix and it's great did you just call Ethan Hawke a scream queen I did. He is competing with Justin Long for number one Scream Queen spot because he does hilarious. all my favorite. Like if Ethan Hawke is in it, I'm going to love it. 
Uh, there's this. There's the black phone. Uh, Sinister, of course. The Purge. He's in the first one. Ethan Hawke is just, he's killing it in the horror space. And you know what? I'm here for it. Do you, uh, you Justin Long. Uh, but I guess my question, Michelle, is specifically uh, the application of the terminology Scream Queen. Mm-hmm. So you, you see him in the Scream Queen category? You know what? It's a stretch, but if Justin Long fits into it, yes. That's fair. Uh, I mean, don't he definitely uh, he he definitely plays, uh, uh, frankly, uh, some characters that uh, in a in a less uh, uh, a less enlightened time would have been referred to with a lot of of very uh, uh, female oriented derogatory terms. So maybe you're onto yep. something here. Yeah. Yep. The black phone. Absolutely. Yeah. So. He is he's a horror icon as far as I'm concerned. Wait, and you're also talking maybe you're, not actually just, a screen I just queen, but I think it's things funny. you're talking about Ethan Hawke though, right? Yes. Ethan Hawke's the well, I, I can't spoil it, but I know like you also mentioned Justin Long in there at some point, and that was the guy that I was thinking of who like if you've seen him in Barbarian, uh mm-hmm. he's the guy that I was thinking of who would be described in a less enlightened oh. time by a lot of those terms. Yep. I don't know. I, I'm just giving you a heck over some terminology. It's not that big of a deal. I heard Ethan Hawke scream queen, and I turned it if into you, way more than it needed to be. If you told me to write an article detailing why Ethan Hawke would be a scream queen, I would not be able to do it. And I That's would be fair. like, no, you're right. He's absolutely not. But for the sake of like a funny thing to say on a podcast, fuck yeah, Ethan Hawke well, competing I mean, with Justin Long for Scream Queen. Especially considering that I myself am the king of uh, just saying things impulsively. I can't exactly hold that against you. Um. Also, there's uh, nobody who's going to be a better Scream Queen than Mark Patton. So like if we're actually then talking who? realistically, Mark Patton. Okay. From Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, yeah, I, I know exactly yeah. who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. So obviously he actually gets the number one uh, spot as far as I'm concerned because he made a fucking movie about it. But for the sake of this podcast, yes, Ethan Hawke is going to give him a run, run for his money. What a uh, what an unfortunate fucking situation with that fella, huh? Yeah, we'll have to get into that. Yeah, if you have just quick aside, guys, if you haven't seen the documentary Scream Queen, is it still on Shutter? I'm not sure if it's still on there or not. It rotates through a lot of free services. Right, it's somewhere out there, and yeah, it's somewhere out there, and it's going to be easy to find and easy to see. It's a documentary. It's called Scream Queen. It's about Nightmare on Elm Street Two. It's a really good watch. It absolutely is, and it's sad. But we're not here to be sad. We're here to talk about. Are we not? We're behind. always sad here, Michelle. <laughs> Holy I'm shit! So have you have you have you listened to our show? <laughs> Are we getting into the therapy section? Ugh. <laughs> it's all Michelle. The whole show is the therapy section. You know what? Then it's not working. We have to switch therapists. <laughs> oh Lord! Well, um, what do else you, know you anything got? Anything about leave the world behind? No, please tell me I'm more. Assuming you haven't seen it. Uh, it is about Julia Roberts and Ethan Hawke and their two children, and they go to an Airbnb to just get away for the weekend. And they uh, will just say apocalyptic things take place, and they okay. are stranded in this Airbnb. Okay. Um, it's 
everything that I really enjoy about end of the world type movies, which is less them reacting to, you know, actually battling the things that are happening and more so how people interact with one another when they think that their lives are going to end and that the inevitable will come for them. Um, It's that kind of thing where it's an exploration in how they react to the situation as opposed to trying to fight back to the situation. So absolutely enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, The ending is very divisive. So I would love to talk to people. They, they either say it is perfect or it is upsetting. I was very upset at first because it, it, did not seem like the movie was going to end and then it suddenly did. But after some time of reflection, I think it was the perfect way to end it. I just needed way, way more. And it made me angry. But it was very fitting for what they were trying to do. Leave so the that's why I had behind. a new horror. Yeah. Uh, that, made new me, horror. that made me think, oh. Michelle, uh, you're talking about yeah. some people in an isolated place and some apocalyptic things break out. Uh, it's completely non-horror related at all but have you seen any or heard anything about this upcoming film iss no is it she goes wrong in space because that's one of my favorite well kinda uh it stars ariana debose uh uh but it's uh and i'm telling no tales out of school here because they give you all of this in the trailer for the movie so they don't care if you know or not they give you this base these basic plot details so here's what it's about. There's a few American uh, astronauts and a few Russian, I guess, cosmonauts. I don't know if they're still cosmonauts in the post-Soviet era. But anyway, there's some Americans and there's some Russians on the International Space Station. And while they're up there, nuclear war breaks out on the planet below. And now there's like a conflict between the Americans and the Russians on the space station and they're like getting messages from Earth that it's their job to take control of the station from the other people. It, that sounds uh, so good. I love. Well, shit goes my wrong reaction, in space. my reaction to. Oh, so I bet you really fucking loved Gravity. I do. I love that Gravity. Movie scares the fucking shit out of me, Michelle, in a way that one is... of my favorite subgenres is just shit goes oh. wrong in space. Gravity, of... I saw it three times in the theater. I what love of... that movie. One of my biggest, like, deep seated terrors is any time in any movie whatsoever when somebody just floats off into space. Like that mm-hmm. that idea is just fucking horrific to me. Oh my God. But anyway, I got distracted. Yes, your description of <laughs> Leave the World Behind made me think of ISS. Also, well, I'm glad me... that you mentioned it because holy shit, I have to see that. Yeah, it looks like it could be. When I saw the trailer, my reaction was was this. It's like, that's either going to be really good or really fucking dumb. <laughs> like, it's going to be, I'm either going to yeah. really like it or it's really not going to be for me, if you know what I mean. I hope. If it's not good, that it is Moonfall levels of I completely love missing the so mark. Much. Yes, let's, let's not get distracted by that. I'm just saying, guys, if you haven't seen Moonfall yet, I tried to argue it for it belonging on my best of 2022 list. For sure. <laughs> so uh, that uh, is good. Uh, yeah, those, new are, horror, those are your new you... horror and horror adjacent titles that you wanted to talk yep. about. I got yep, one, and I'm excited to hear your one because I, I got one because you know what it is. Yep, uh, I know what it and, is. And um, 
Guys, uh, there's been a lot of hype about it and a lot of people saying a lot of things to the extent that by the time I finally got to go see this film, I was genuinely worried uh, that it just wasn't possibly going to be able to live up to the image and the expectation I had created from all of the hype surrounding it. And when I tell you that not only did it live up to that hype, but actually, as far as I'm concerned, surpassed it, uh, is incredible. The movie is Godzilla Minus One. This is the movie that so many people have said that they wanted to make or have tried in earnest to make. This is an epic human drama that also just happens to involve a giant monster right it's uh it's got vibes of a of a a war movie like a pearl harbor or something like that it has some vibes of like a disaster movie like an armageddon or or that sort of thing it has but it has like this is the kind of movie where there like there is oscar caliber writing and acting and directing going on here and it just so happens to also have a giant fucking monster just wrecking shop all over Japan it's well, i tell you this much when godzilla goes to town he goes to fucking town it's uh it, it one of my issues with with shin godzilla godzilla resurgence from a few years ago is it made the the stylistic choice to uh, uh, to keep Godzilla's appearances limited, uh, and it's uh, it's a th- but this movie like gets right to it. Godzilla just fucking shit up with all sorts of power. The last act of the movie, the big conflict, they do this beautiful thing where they just line up for you step by step what you're about to see happen to make sure you're not confused by any of it and then they just play out exactly what they just it's it's so it's it's well written in the sense that it's that kind of predictable but where you're like yeah I know where this is going and then it goes there and you're so satisfied it also does things and doesn't do things uh, and that's the big thing for me. And I can't get into too many spoilers, obviously, here. I don't want to do that. This movie doesn't do some very crucial things that I feel like an American filmmaker or an American studio would have done uh, in the belief that it made the, the movie uh, more real or emotional that this movie chooses not to do and I think it's so much better for it Uh, I'll be honest with you while I was watching it for the first it's about a two-hour movie and for the first almost hour to an hour and a half I was like okay there's a lot of building going on here but I don't like there and then it so many pieces fall into place uh, in the last half hour and, and or so of this movie, and it's like once you it's it's like watching somebody do origami, right? Not to to make a, a, a obvious like cultural reference, but you're just watching all these weird folds and things happen, and you don't understand what's going on until it's finally done, and they fold it open, and you realize, oh shit, it's a crane 
or what I just I could go on and on about this movie. It is uh uh very possibly I have to do some some uh uh some looking back and some real strong thinking, but I off the top of my head, I would say this is probably my favorite movie of any kind of the entire year. It's so fucking good, Michelle. You have to see it. I know. I want to see it so badly. The problem is they put it in the lesser of the two theaters that we have available to us. It's worth suffering it. through those chairs, I promise you. It, it's not. It I promise is. you. I will be so much happier watching it in my family room by myself. <laughs> so I will wait. It I had to. I was to gonna go see it this screen. week. I know. It's I was Godzilla, gonna go see it this Michelle. week. Here's the thing. I was gonna go see it this week, and then I had two close contacts with COVID oh. uh, within two days. And it's not even so much that like I'm worried about getting sick. It's kind of inevitable after being in close contact with two people on Christmas mm-hmm. Eve and Christmas Day. So I'm just not bothering. I'm not going to gather people sick. Hey, I'm just Michelle. Gonna, it was the only thing I was leaving my house for. I'm just how, not going to do it. How cool is it that we're literally days away from 2024 and we still got to worry about the novel coronavirus from 2019? I keep forgetting it's a thing. And then suddenly during Christmas, I'm reminded that it's a huge thing. It's, because this uh, is my nephew's second year having COVID on Christmas, and I feel so bad for him. We just all, so just sort of, I'm not saying we, but just collectively as a culture, we just said, Bim, we just don't give a shit anymore. And this is just going to be a thing that we deal with, just like the flu now. It's the Spanish flu all over again, you know? Well, on the so plus like, side, I never we leave all get, my house. We all so get I a new flu shot every year because this is what happened then, too. Now, to be fair, they didn't have nearly the ability to deal with it then that we had. Anyway, this is not a discussion for a horror movie podcast. Godzilla Minus One, guys. Adjacent. If you haven't seen it, fucking see it. It's so good. I want to see it so badly. It was anyway, the one thing I was going to do this week. Yeah, well, and I, I have been super busy this month, obviously, with things with the move and whatnot. So there's not a whole lot of stuff that I have to talk about, but I needed to tell you about that one. It's so goddamn good. I've heard from such a wide variety of people that it is potentially the best movie of the year. Oh, it's beautiful. And, ugh. I'll I'll see if I can squeeze in before our best of 2023, but it depends on when we record that. Anyway. Okay, older horror. Um, I spent a very long time this month with older horror. Um, I actually went through two entire movie series. One was not horror. I will put it in the non-horror category. We'll get to it. You probably don't want to hear me talk about it anyway. But uh, when I got my new TV, yes, this is another reference to the new TV. Take a shot. Part of the drinking game. Uh, I had to decide what I was going to watch on the new TV. What was worthy of my first theatrical experience? And it came to me like Jesus came to Moses in the burning bush or whatever that story is. It just showed up like an epiphany, a revelation worthy of a book in the Bible. And I watched all five Final Destination movies in the span of 48 hours. And that was the right choice. Let me tell you. Um, Final Destination, first off, love the naming scheme. Final Destination, Final Destination 2, Final Destination 3, 
the final destination and then right back to final destination five. Love that. Great indication. The last two, I'm pretty sure were meant to be in 3D. At least one of them was. Was final destination five also in 3D? I sure yeah. hope so. Otherwise, final I have questions about a lot of that. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm coughing again. Final destination three, I believe, was final destination 3D. Oh, so actually three of the movies were in 3D because the Final Destination and Final Destination 5 were definitely very 3 Let me be clear. Centric. I don't know that for 100% sure, but I, I think believe you. the third one was 3D. It would make a lot of sense, um, especially watching 4 and 5 and just being like, oh, it's things flying at my face, but I'm watching this at home in 2023 and this does not matter uh we do a final destination six coming in late 2024 hoping for that october release date please don't disappoint me i need more final destination in my life i just love the concept of trying to trick death and then death getting mad and trying to get back at you those movies are so fucking good i used to think final destination 2 was one of my favorites but after rewatching the whole series it might be final destination 3 is better than 2 and I had a lot of personal debates throughout the entire month just with myself, just arguing back and forth for hours. I fucking love Final Destination. I, uh, I've, I've only seen a couple of them. It's, it's not my thing in, in any way at all. Of course. Uh, a couple of things that I, I always come to mind when people talk about Final Destination films. Uh, first of all, one of my biggest things with it, and look, I understand, like, this is going to sound like a ridiculous nitpick to some people, but this is how taste works sometimes, right? Some things that work for people just don't work for other people because you get a thought in your head about it and you just can't shake it. Yep. Yep. And here's the thought. Me and that one Marvel movie we won't name because here, people Here's get the thought throughout this entire franchise that I can't shake is... They were supposed to die in a plane crash. Look, spoiler warning for the Final Destination franchise. I don't think this is the kind of thing that needs a spoiler warning. Everybody, if you haven't seen it, I assume knows what the gimmick is, right? If you don't, what? I'm sorry. <laughs> but so all of these people were supposed to die in a plane crash, right? Just a plane crash. Uh, I think a there's plane, a whole thing crash? where the plane gets ripped in half or whatever. So it's a particularly terrible plane crash where they go flying oh, yeah. out in the middle of the air. But it's a, a, an airplane disaster, right? But they don't die. They 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 escape death's design. And look, first thing, just on a, a surface level, I death's design is a phrase I could go the rest of my life without ever hearing again. I don't know what it is about that phrase, but I hate it. But my question is, like, is there some sort of rule that says if you somehow break death's design, uh, obviously death has to try and, and, and catch up and get you but, like, is there some kind of rule where, like, death can't just hit you with a fucking car? He's got to, like, set up these fucking Rube Goldberg traps where, like, fire goes down the side of the oven and across the floor. And, like, you you slip on a... Like, there's such complicated, asinine ways in which people end up dying. And it's like, 
Like, like why? Like, what? There are multiple scenes in these movies where these people are just like walking down the street. Why doesn't death just have some crazy person in a car just fucking mack them to death? You know. Well, that does happen quite a lot in the series. People get hit by, uh, decapitated by a train, hit by multiple cars, airbag goes off, uh, and kills somebody that way. A plane of glass falls on person i think the other times death is just having fun when you fuck around like just killing somebody with a car is boring and these people escape so there's a little bit of rage and you want it to be not quick in the way that a car accident might be where you're like oh fuck i killed them too quickly i would have rather they got stabbed a whole bunch and then died in a fire you know haven't you ever had somebody anger you so much that you're like man i really wish that you were a final destination character and just went through a very elaborate death scene haven't you ever felt like that before like, oh. I, I really wish you would get trapped in a tanning bed that's turned up way too high. You never had those moments? No. <laughs> oh, okay. Never mind. Never ah! mind. Therapy section over. <laughs> oh, anyway, and the other thing that I always uh, I always find interesting about the Final Destination movies, and I think you can, you'll, you'll be able to relate to this, is it's a very popular sentiment to the extent that it's, it's become somewhat uh, memed in ways. Uh, but this whole thing about, like, People will show you a picture of like a log truck or a truck with a bunch of stuff in it, but it's not like covered up or whatever. And they'll make some sort of reference to like, like I've seen too many Final Destination movies to drive behind a truck like this or whatever. Uh, And all I can think about that is, is like, you didn't just immediately become terrified of that possibility the first time you saw a log truck in your life you had to you had to watch a movie where oh shit somebody got killed by a log falling off of a truck and i never thought of that before but now i thought about it and it's you didn't just because i've been terrified of getting smashed in the face by a log falling off the back of a truck since i was like three years old that's uh no that was not in my mind until i saw final destination Oh, Michelle! I have I don't a lot know, of irrational fears because I don't of know where it movies. came from, but for my whole life, like I, I cannot drive behind like like a truck that's like open stuff on it like that. I have to get out from behind it as soon as possible. And Final Destination didn't have fuck all to do with that. Uh, counterpoint: Final Destination four or five has David Keckner in it. Apparently, this is my David Keckner month. The guy <laughs> whose name I didn't know at the beginning of the month, I now know it, and I watch four movies with him this month. Some someday uh, uh, down the road, when we're super huge and popular and famous, some people will uh, will talk about how they were listening back in Michelle's David Keckner phase. <laughs> It'll be pretty great. Oh my god, my David Keckner phase kind of how I had like a uh, the Killers phase and Panic right. at the Disco phase. I'm oh still my god, Panic why would you do phase. that Let's to yourself? Real. Anyway, we don't talk shit about <laughs> Brendan Urie on this podcast. We've had this discussion. It's fine. Um, but yeah, so it's the David Keckner. Also, Devin Sawa in the first movie, he was the real version of Casper in Casper. And, you know what uh, else Devin you know Sawa what? is in? Casper, he is my Casper. Devin Sawa is also in the Glenn Danzig written and directed film Death Rider in the House of Vampires, which had a brief theatrical release in 2021 uh, and is now finally available on DVD and Blu-ray and I imagine will be available for streaming somewhere soon and you should all fucking see it because it is 
Oh, it's a thing to behold, you guys. It's if Devin Sawa is in it. I'm sold. He was Stan. In Devin the Sawa music video. is the star. He is Death oh, Rider, shit. who finds himself in the wow. house of vampires. Well, you have sold me. I'll I'll go watch it. I flew to Las Vegas to see that movie in a theater. Oh, you talked about it. (laughs) What a weird throwback. Myself and my friend who went with me and my friend who lived in Vegas uh, were three of four people in the theater to watch the movie. (laughs) Anyway, uh, check that out, guys. Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely Uh, will. Do you have other Um, uh, uh, old school horror stuff? I do. Just a couple to mention. Uh, First off, I want to give a very public, very heartfelt and true apology to drag me to hell from 2009. I thought I had seen this movie. I was convinced that it was like any other plain old possession movie that came out in the early 2010s-ish. Oh, Michelle. Uh, I was convinced that this was no different than everything else. And I just happened to be scrolling and went, eh, haven't seen this in a while. I don't really remember much about it. I remember nothing about it. I had never seen this movie. Holy shit. What a great movie. (laughs) I had no idea. I did not know. Yeah, I know. But I just, I, he's done other stuff besides evil daddy things, but this is very evil daddy. And I had no idea. I thought it was just like any other possession movie that we were getting back in 2009. I saw that movie. Oh my uh, God. I saw that movie theatrically and it was. It's so good. Oh God. What a fabulous ending to that movie. Just loved it. The ending of that movie is on one of the streaming services, the shot that shows up before you hit play. So I went, I don't remember that scene. And then while I was watching, I'd be like, I've never seen this. And then that happens. I'm like, you have the I, ending of the movie as the play button? I don't uh, I don't understand people. I, I don't I really yeah. hate them. Really, that's what it is. Why? Why would you do? You that? really wish that they would die in a tanning bed that's been closed because death is mad at them for escaping them once before. Same. Okay, sure. Anyway, what other uh, horror? <laughs> then one more uh, quick shout out to Seven, which I did watch uh, and is still excellent, of course. Um, but I had to go back to what started my love of found footage. It is not the first found footage by any means. It is not the best found footage by any means. But it was the one where I went, hmm, I might have a thing for found footage. And that was Cloverfield from 2008. I saw it twice in theaters. The first time I got so motion sick that I just had my head down for the last half of the movie because I could not handle it. But I was so enthralled during the first part that I went, I'm going to take a bunch of Dramamine and try that again. And it was so much better the second time while I was heavily medicated. I did not realize until this rewatch that you have to really like TJ Miller to like this movie because <laughs> I did not know he was the man behind the camera until I went, oh, it's that guy. But uh, Cloverfield is fucking great. And it's 
not the best graphics by any means. It's 2008, but I really, really love the monster in that movie and the way that they're climbing through rubble and now they're in the middle of an army fight. And uh, that one lady who looks like Mary Elizabeth Winstead, but who is not Mary Elizabeth Winstead, it's, she's uh, there. Are, are you great, thinking great of uh, 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 the chick who was also in... Uh, I cannot hear you if you're talking, by the way. You, you can't hear me? Uh-oh. Did you mute yourself? Hang on, hang on, hang on. No, the microphone Uh-oh. is on. Oh, Lord. Uh-oh. Give me two seconds. Nope, Can you hear me nothing. now? Oh, I heard a sound. Hang on. Hang on. Oh, hey. I hear you. Can you hear me now? Good. Remember All those right. commercials? That was yes. a riot when I was in junior high. Oh, man. So, uh, anyway. Great. I thought you had no <laughs> arguments and you were like, yeah, no, I, uh, I, I was trying to think. Are, are you thinking of Lizzie Kaplan? Yes, thank you. And I yeah. know who Lizzie Kaplan is. He's from Mean Girls. I have not forgotten her. I She's just also from, forget her name. from Party Down, and she was in, oh, I want to say, a million things. Like season she's two, from, uh, season two, Cobweb. I think of True Blood. Yeah, she was in Cobweb. Yeah. That's a fantastic. Yeah, I know film. Lizzie Kaplan. I just forget her name. And if I say, "Looks like Mary Elizabeth Winstead," everybody goes, "Oh, Lizzie Kaplan." Yeah, her <laughs> Castle Rock. I know who Lizzie Kaplan is. I just Fair forget enough. her name. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, Cloverfield, uh, fucking great. Right uh, that is it for my older horror. Did you have anything to add to older horror? Yeah, absolutely. Um, not anything that I've I've watched recently, but I want to bring it up immediately. Oh, a lie. Because, uh, well, no, it's it's just stuff that's been dropped <laughs> on Shutter again. Stuff that's been on Shutter previously. Uh, they it cycled out for a while. Uh, it's back here. There's several. Uh, films that they just dropped uh, recently, and they're all Mario Bava films. Uh, and if you are not familiar with Mario Bava, Mario Bava is sort of like the the ultimate like 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 predecessor in Italian horror. Like Mario Bava is kind of almost where the entire Giallo genre springs from. Is Bava's stuff. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, all the greats sort of nod to him, but there are a couple of films in particular. Uh, one of his earlier films called Black Sunday, uh, and then, of course, uh, I think his his best film, it's, it's a legendary film, it's called A Bay of Blood. Uh, it's basically a movie that was... <laughs> ripped off in so many ways by Sean Cunningham for Friday the 13th. Like, especially if you're familiar, really, with the first Friday the 13th movie, but you've never seen A Bay of Blood, you're going to be like, oh, well, that's interesting. Anyway, it's a fabulous film. Uh, Older stuff, uh, I think Black Sunday is very late 50s, and A Bay of Blood uh, is uh, mid-60s, early mid-60s. But fabulous films. I'm going to be watching them soon again myself as soon as I find the time uh, to do it. But they're absolutely phenomenal classics. And I have to... There's others, uh, other of his films on there as well. But those two in particular, uh, I really strongly recommend uh, you take some time with. Uh, also, one other uh, older movie, but not nearly as old. I did also recently... Uh, finally watch uh, uh, under Michelle's uh, insistence uh, a film from I want to say was it 2017 called Anna, Anna and, and the, the Apocalypse. Apocalypse but that's Hello? all I'm going to say about it because we're actually going to be doing a whole episode about that movie 
uh, because I was watching Check it. Check it out while well, it's still the Christmas season. It's right. On well, Shutter. also, Go watch also, it. Go I now. was watching it, uh, uh, shooting some comments occasionally to Michelle, and then I got all caught up in it. And then by the time it was over, I was like, "Oh, oh, we definitely have to talk about this," uh, because I know how Michelle feels about this movie, and I feel like we're gonna have a real interesting chat about it. Uh, it's going to be a good time, but no, she's absolutely right. Uh, uh, definitely go see it. It's, uh, uh, here's what I didn't expect is, uh, regardless of what we're going to talk about it, it's actually a really slickly, incredibly well-produced musical film. Like this isn't, this isn't like some very well-meaning, like super indie sort of thing. Like there was some money put into this. It's really well choreographed and 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 filmed. It's it's really really well done, and it's worth I'm seeing so if you're a fan episode. of of if you're a fan of musical horror. It's worth your <laughs> if time. If you like zombie musical Christmas movies, <laughs> exactly. This is this is the one with for comedy you. thrown in. Of course, right. you can't do a sure. musical zombie, and it's completely non non comedical. Sure. Well, uh, I only okay. have one My other non- thing that I want to talk oh, about, Michelle, another. and yes. I, I'm, I'm sure yeah, yeah. Uh, you, I, I think you mentioned that you have some things in this area that you wanted to talk about as well. So you just go ahead mm-hmm. and go for a while. And once I hear you talking about the other thing that I want to talk about, I'll jump in. Oh, I'm curious what the other thing you think I, is it the non-horror it's, section? Yeah, it's, it's just a thing that's not oh, horror. Okay. okay, gotcha. My non-horror thing... Um, I, I hate that I have to talk about this in 2023, uh, but I do need to say it because it was a monumental thing for me, uh, and I'm just going to rip off the Band-Aid. I own the entire Harry Potter collection on Blu-ray. I had only seen the first four movies because I hated the fourth movie so much that I just stopped watching them. I was a huge fan of the Harry Potter books growing up. I was a big nerd. There are two wolves inside of you. One of them loves the Saw franchise. The other one is a Hufflepuff. uh, And sometimes they both control me at the same time. I hate J.K. Rowling. So as far as I'm concerned, she is completely removed from it. And this month, I finally went back and I rewatched all the Harry Potter movies. Um, and when I, once I toughed it out through the fourth, I, I don't, as a movie fan, even though this is not horror, I just have to say like seventh and eighth was a fucking experience. That was a catharsis I've been waiting my entire life for. So great movies, very fucking dark, very depressing. And I think that's why I liked the series so much growing up. And I became such a huge horror fan because, uh, I they started off kind of light and then everybody fucking dies by the end. And uh, I just I had to include it. I was going to do myself a disservice not saying that I watched the Harry Potter movies, but I finally gave in. I did not give J.K. Rowling any money to do it. Um, I already owned them. And God, I fucking love Daniel Radcliffe. That's why I did it. (laughs) He's so fucking good. I have never read a single Harry Potter book. I have only seen the first two Harry Potter movies. Now is not a time to get into them. I saw each of them once while they were in theaters. So it's been Mm -hmm. since 2002. I was going to say, I went to the movie premiere. Uh, one of the coolest things my dad ever did for me was this was back before you had to go to a theater and wait in line to get tickets. So we went to get tickets to the opening night of Harry Potter and we were near the end of uh, like right when they sold out. We were right there and I got so sad and a teenage girl turned to us and said, two of our friends can't make it. Do you want our tickets? And I was like, oh, shit. So I made it to the first Harry Potter premiere and it was a 
fucking event. Michelle, since I, I know you are old enough to have experienced those days, what's the longest you've ever stood in line to get tickets for something? It was probably that, and it was half hour to an hour. Oh, that's it? Okay. Yeah. Yep. It, it was, how long did you have to wait to see a movie? What did they have to do? Oh, well, for, for a movie, uh, I stood in line for about an hour to get in the door of the theater, uh, and then it was about another half hour of just standing in the crowded lobby before they opened the, the theater uh, for us to go in. I don't remember exactly why, uh, but it was a whole thing. And it was for, uh, it happened three times actually because it was for the midnight uh, release of the uh, or the Star Wars uh, special editions in uh, in ninety seven mm. or ninety eight. Yeah, the lesser of the Harry Potter franchises. I'm kidding. I'm oh, kidding. Do wow. not fight with me. Do not fight with me about Star Wars versus Harry Potter versus Star Trek. I can't handle it today. I'm a huge nerd. We can't do it. Well, okay, I mean, continue. first of all, I just all, had this, to sign the peace treaty myself. I, I find it hilarious that you, the three things you chose were Star Wars, Star Trek, and Harry Potter <laughs> because, like, one of these things is not like the other thing. I know. I was thinking of uh, very passionate it's fandoms. Fine. It's fine. Very passionate uh, do you have, fandoms. Are do you those... have any other uh, not uh, horror, horror adjacent things that you wanted to talk about? No, I watched a lot of horror. I watched very little good horror this month. Do you have any other movie things that you want to talk about, or are you moving no. on to other uh, other media after this? I'm ready to move on from the movies. Okay. You are good. I watched very so I got, little. I got one other thing uh, that I want to talk about, and uh, it's funny uh, because the other movie that I talked about a lot in this movie or in this episode was Godzilla Minus One. And once again, uh, I get to be the person who tells you, like, if you haven't seen this fucking movie yet, uh, like, there was so much hype and so many people kept saying so many things about it that I found so hard to believe. I was like, it's like, I'm not saying the movie was like I was thinking to myself, like, I, I mean, you maybe you liked it, but could it really have been that good? And then I saw it, and it was so much more than I ever thought that a movie like it could have been, and it frankly broke my brain a little bit. Uh, and that movie is Barbie. You hadn't seen Barbie? No, I just finally saw it when it landed on Max for streaming. When we got stuck in Fargo because uh, the weather was so bad on Christmas, I brought my dad to our place and I was like, I'll make just a little dinner of what I can. And then I forced him to watch the Barbie movie with me. It's it's fucking incredible. Like, it's yeah. <laughs> it's uh, here's what I was not ever expect. I assumed a Barbie movie was going to be this sort of like tongue-in-cheek comedy with a real sweet sort of mm -hmm. kind of feel-good message at the end about being yourself and uh this movie frankly is a fucking absurdist masterpiece like this <laughs> this movie is 
so like it's more than I even ever thought that a movie about Barbie could be. It's uh it says so much on so many different levels and again the way it presents its ideas of first of all the visual style of it is garish in frankly unsettling ways uh at times uh the uh uh the character that Kate McKinnon plays uh weird barbie yeah, weird, weird Barbie. Favorite. Yeah, she's I, always I wanna, stuck in the split. I don't want to say too much about it nope. because some people may <laughs> nope. still have not seen it. But there's but weird Barbie. It's Kate I, McKinnon. I love, of course, she's a weird Barbie. And I don't know. Maybe maybe not everybody has gotten this from it, but I assume you did, uh, be, just because we're both into sort of darker stuff. But like, as light and silly as that character is in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. there is this undercurrent. Of real fucking dark and bleak, to and Kate McKinnon plays it so well. America Ferrera steals the fucking show in this movie. Every but people have been talking about that that moment where she has her little monologue, uh, and it's every bit as good as like this movie. I, it, two times in the same episode of this show, I get to say. That a movie not only lived up to the hype, but frankly surpassed it. Uh, this this the movie is so goddamn good. Uh, it was just, uh, like, I, I definitely need to see it again. Um, I don't know how I missed it, but I guess it never really registered with me that it's a musical. Uh, like There are so many songs in this movie. It's very soundtrack heavy, but it is not a musical. I think singing along would be different. They are like the music is part of their world. Obviously, that beginning song with Lizzo, where she is basically narrating what is happening. But I wouldn't say it's the same as a musical. However, the soundtrack is fucking fire. And I have had it on repeat. (laughs) Um, That Billie Eilish song that plays in that movie. I can't hear it without tearing up. And there was one day I was in my feelings pretty immensely. And I was home alone with just me and my animals. And that's when I brewed the best. My husband came home and I had that Billie Eilish song playing on repeat. And it was just blasting from the living room as I just laid on my couch and pondered my existence. And what was I made for? And uh, he was he came out after a while uh, from his office where he had been hiding safely. And he was like, "Um, can we maybe play a different song? And I just turned to him and said, this is the same song. She made a three hour song. And he went, she made a three hour song. And I went, yeah, this is still the same song. And then uh, like a couple seconds later, the song ended and he called me on my bullshit. I was like, let me just feel my feelings, Jonathan. So that that movie is great. Um, Wizard and the Bruiser is a podcast that I'm a huge fan of. I don't listen to many podcasts because there is so much content out there that I have to uh, uh, consume. I almost said assume. Um, Wizard and the Bruiser, Whisper fans, hello. Uh, they did an an episode about Barbie and about the history of Barbie, and also a little bit about the movie because it was before the movie came out. And I learned so many things about how that movie was made from that episode. Uh, Greta Gerwig, every day she was on set, she wore pink because you know I it's heard Barbie. About that, yeah. Um, she had everybody, regardless of who you were, wear name tags because she wanted everybody to feel like they could have a voice regardless of who they were on set. Um, so you knew everybody by name. 
Uh, she said that she really wanted a collaborative effort. Uh, also, it's funny you mention the decor being so pink because it was so pink that that shade of pink was uh, had a shortage in the United States <laughs> because they bought it all for the set and That's it could funny. not be ordered for a while. That's because hilarious. I'm so glad you finally saw it. it um, no, it's amazing. Here's a Here's a small <laughs> detail about it that I just love. Uh, when you get to the credits, uh, none of the, the, the Barbies are, uh, uh, identified by their specific, like there's not a, a stereotypical Barbie and a weird Barbie and, and these different, mm-hmm. there's literally like just a dozen names and it's just like Margot Robbie, Barbie, yep. Kate McKinnon, Barbie, Shannon or Sharon Rooney, Barbie, Dua Lipa, Barbie, and like there that has to be on purpose, right? Because they all have identifying names in the film. Yeah, right? President Barbie, Mermaid Barbie. Yeah, right. we know who they're referring to, but right. I love because the, the whole per- point of the movie is we're all Barbie. Right. Barbie right. is all of us. I, I, it, it's very uh Taoism. Oh, I love it. That's just that's a level of detail and thought that makes you say like there like it makes you realize there is so much more going on here than you ever expected. Here's a couple of other things that I never expected and it just surprises me that I somehow didn't ever know that these people were in this movie until they appeared in this movie. Uh first of all, shout out motherfucking John Cena who is Ken in this well, how movie. Did you see him? Uh, what? How do you see him? How do you see him? Oh, I, I didn't I, see him in the movie at all. I see. I, Is I that see meme what, still funny? I see what you, I see, see what you're doing. I yeah. fucking love John Cena. Uh, but <laughs> also, uh, what I had no idea about, uh, is that Rhea Perlman plays Ruth, uh, in this. Uh, yeah. Ruth, uh, I can't remember her last name, but the creator of Barbie, uh, and not just play, but is amazing i haven't seen Rhea perlman in forever i don't remember the last thing is i that saw a spoiler? her spoiler what Rhea perlman okay? well not the Rhea perlman but when you see her the first time my dad and i were arguing about this is it supposed to be that you know she's the creator of barbie or is that supposed to be a reveal later on because my dad was saying that he saw that coming and i went i didn't think that was a hidden thing and i'm curious Oh, no, I I guess I assumed uh, you were, uh, I I guess it just depends on how much you know about Barbie, uh, maybe. I I, I can't say for sure. Like, I. She does introduce herself as Ruth. Right. The the minute she says the name, like, I knew exactly who it was. Uh, I'm not going to tell you. I was curious. I'm not going to tell you in what context context. she appears or anything like that, but no. Uh, I just even the fact that Rhea Perlman is in this movie, and mm-hmm. uh, nobody like somehow it just I never knew until she literally appeared on screen, uh, and she was great. That no, this movie is like I I sat there and I just I watched it, and when I tell you that like I I just had this look on my face of just like like just astonishment in a lot of ways but like like positive astonishment right not like just oh my god what are you doing just like it was just scene after scene of fuck this is so good 
You know what's unfortunate? What's that? That it's a movie about Barbie and Barbie's life, and it's very Barbie-centric, <laughs> and the best part of the movie is fucking Ryan Gosling. How oh. dare he <laughs> steal the spotlight? How dare he? He's so oh. good. I and did then... not know I was a Ryan Gosling fan, despite liking so many movies. I bawled my eyes out during The Notebook. I was 14. I was young. I yeah. was naive. Um, I thought love could last forever in a way that <laughs> dementia could not destroy. Uh, like, I was full of hope. Um, Don't Ryan tell Gosling John. And, like, he he knows that one of us is going to get to mention it and forget the other one. It runs in his family. We know this. We've accepted it. Um, I've, I'm already making t-shirts that say, bring me back to Michelle. And then I have a shirt that says, I'm Michelle. Like, we're oh prepared. We talked God. about this. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, Ryan Gosling is so fucking funny. And he said he took the role because one day he saw his daughter playing with Barbies and she left Ken buried in the dirt and he went, this man deserves a better story. And agreed to play Ken. Um, after Barbie came out, my TikTok was just full of Ryan Gosling interviews. And uh, we're not going to say too much, but I will say that Ryan Gosling's character really enjoys horses uh, in the movie. That's all I'll say about it. But Margot Robbie uh, gifted him multiple horse themed items on set <laughs> and at one point he comes to the door and he's reading a book and he's holding a book about horses that she had gifted to him and did not realize he was going to bring on set nice. to be the book that Ken was reading and I just love that level of like god those two together perfect yeah perfect. Uh, great also I, I I another thing like just uh the, you know how some movies uh they they have a line in the script somewhere that like once you hear it it immediately stands out as like the the soundbite sort of thesis statement of the entire film right mm-hmm. and i'm not going to tell you where it happens in this movie or even what the line is but once you hear it uh, myself as a like just a, a an extra nerdy appreciator of words and the effectiveness of certain combinations of words it for me it was just like one of the most purely effective is like yeah that's the whole thrust of this movie distilled into one pure efficient statement uh, and it was beautiful. It's uh, I I don't know how much time I've spent rambling about it, but like I saw those two movies. I saw Barbie and Godzilla minus one within about a week of each other, and I was like, how is this? How is this happening? This is um, incredible. So we got to experience the Barbenheimer phase um, because Barbie and Oppenheimer were released mm-hmm. on the same day. And no, I did not go to them at the same time because I wanted to go to Barbie <laughs> first and then Oppenheimer. But Oppenheimer showed on the ultra screen first and then Barbie. And that seemed like the wrong way to do it. But I did get a shirt that is uh, bright blue with pink text that looks like Barbie text and says, I am become death, destroy your worlds. So I did get <laughs> into it a little bit. It's my favorite t-shirt right now. That's anyway, uh, what I'm saying is that I kind of wish we had gotten the Barbie Godzilla marketing that could have been released. That could have been um, Barbenheimer Barbzilla. was fine. Barbzilla. Barbzilla oh, would have been, would have been something else. Anyway, so Michelle, uh, uh, that's yeah. all I really wanted to talk about on this episode. So from here well, on my out, things will be f- quick. The floor is yours. I'm going to sit here and medicate, maybe sip on some pink grapefruit carbonated zero sugar drink and uh, tell these people what kind of awesomeness you've been ingesting. 
Yeah. So uh, just a couple things that I want to put in the news category. If you're coming to this podcast for news, you're missing out. Uh, I'm just going to tell you some things that I enjoy. You should go subscribe to some other people for like straight up news. We don't do that. But I do have a couple things I'm excited about. And guess what? The We Watch Stuff thing. That's where I'm going to tell you about them because uh, you know what? Fuck it. It's our show. Uh, so first bit of news. Um, there is a rumor that we are getting the Stranger Things final season trailer this week. I am beyond excited for it. Uh, it's horror adjacent. Fuck it. I'm excited. It's a rumor. They better give it to me in the next couple days. It is the exact thing I need to start 2024. With. Uh, my next thing, Saw 11 was announced. These motherfuckers, September 2024. They're going to push it back to October, though. I know they're going to do it. They're going to give it to us in Halloween or Halloween month because that's when they always come out. How fucking dare they? The final chapter was the seventh movie. And now we're getting an 11th. How dare you? Well, I already fair, own the entire collection on Blu-ray. Was... Eight and nine were spinoffs. They weren't. And Saw 10 was. <laughs> then it wouldn't I have know. been labeled Saw 10. It would have been Saw 8 I with was, Jigsaw and Spiral being their own thing. I was, I also, was John Kramer is in Spiral. I was making a mockery mad. of the people who would say that sort of thing. I'm just really mad at them that I bought the entire collection on Blu-ray before they announced Saw 10. And I already went, fuck, I mean, I have to have like one movie sitting outside of my Blu-ray collection, and now there's two? I'm eventually going to have to get another box set of Saw. And you know what the worst part of that is? I recently went through and indexed my entire movie collection because I was tired of buying duplicates by being like, this is my favorite movie. Clearly, I don't own it. I don't know why that's my logic. But I did go through. I created an Excel sheet. Yes, it is intense. Yes, I did go to Electric Underground and Impulse bought 23 Disney DVDs yesterday because I needed to make sure that my childhood classics were covered in case I never got to see them again. Um, but now I, I went through it and I had four copies of Saw 1 somehow. And it's going to happen again. I'm going to get inundated with Saw movies. Everybody's going to give me Saw movies for Christmas going forward. Well, I have too many Saw movies. I mean, first things first, Michelle, this is why you never, ever, ever buy a box set. It looked beautiful. Okay. And now well, it's tarnished. All right. In a enough. way that John Kramer would not allow if he had any <laughs> say in it. He would definitely create traps for the people who made a box set before he was done with it. I'm so got any, anyway. You got, you got any more news, Michelle? Yeah, I'm just really pissed off about Saw 11. How fucking dare they? I will I'm... see it and it will be my favorite movie of the year. I'm so mad. Uh, <laughs> okay, and then my last one. Here's your moment to rage. I don't know if you'll rage. You're definitely trying to be nicer these days, but I heard a bit of news. I know what you're about to say. To you. And it's actually something it... that I was going to bring up here if oh, you man. didn't mention it. Yeah. Okay. HP Lovecraft's The Call of Cthulhu is being made into a movie by James Wan. And additionally, there will be a video game. I'm really fucking excited for the video game. Do you have any thoughts on that, JD? Given how much you love Lovecraft as well as have feelings about James Wan? I uh I hope it's a Megan style movie. I, Megan uh, Call of Cthulhu. I have Call of Megan. Michelle, I have uh I have so many thoughts. <laughs> so so many. 
so many. Mm-hmm. But I am I am genuinely like I'm playing it for a laugh here, but it's also a very genuine thing. It's trying hard to reprogram myself to not you know, just I think it's better if we just don't talk about it. Is what I'm trying. I my plan, if you didn't mention it, is I was just going to be. In case you haven't heard, it's been announced that James Wan or Juan, whatever, however, is adapting H.P. Lovecraft's The Call of Cthulhu. Do with that information what you will. And More we'll importantly, ch- we're getting a Call of Cthulhu video game. Give <sighs> it to me. Make it good. So, uh, okay. yeah, I'm just, well, I'm just not going to say the things. <laughs> I'm not proud of the thoughts I've had is what I'm trying we're to say. We're going to that movie on premiere night and then doing a surprise episode where we cannot talk about it until we record because you're going to have feelings and I'm excited for them. I will I will say this. I I will say this and this honestly isn't even just because it's a James Wan thing. It's because I I realize this is far from a a a, a rare thing, but aside from the fact that he was a terrible racist and a, and an awful person uh, in a number of ways apparently. Uh you know, it's uh, Think of it as H.P. Lovecraft is my J.K. Rowling, right? And Ooh, the, that's the, a really good comparison. The Cthulhu mythos is my Harry Potter. Like, oh, man. like yeah. Lovecraft's work was so fucking fundamental in my development of like what it's one of the big reasons i'm into real fucked up body horror and weird cosmic space shit like all of the, like it all like so much of my taste originates in lovecraft and just that weird fucking shit and no matter who made this movie like there's a strong possibility that this might be the first movie that I walk out on in 25 years. So Ooh. I so I I don't want people to think that I'm saying that specifically about the James Wan version that has been announced, but uh this is a this is a very risky movie for me. Uh it's a gamble cuz here's the thing. Look, I think we're all aware that I'm not. Apparently, I have a lot to say about this story, uh, without I'm actually. Just go. Uh, yep. I think everybody knows that uh, I'm not the biggest fan of of James Wan overall. I think everybody also knows that there are certain things he's done uh, that I really enjoy. My worry is that the things that James Wan does that I personally enjoy don't strike me as the kind of things that would make a successful and enjoyable and and high-quality adaptation of Call of Cthulhu. 
And so I'm just, my, my immediate thought wasn't even anything negative, right? My immediate thought was just like, oh, oh, is that the right guy? But I think I would have that reaction to just about it. There's one person in the entire world that I wouldn't have that reaction about, and it's Guillermo del Toro. Uh, and it's because, A, he's fucking incredible, and B, he was talking about for the longest time uh, doing an adaptation of Lovecraft's At the Mountains of Madness, and it was the most anticipated thing in my life for a while. And then that fucking Prometheus uh, movie happened and did certain things in its story, and Del Toro was like, well, that's basically the exact same story I was going to kind of tell with At the Mountains of Madness, so I don't really see any reason to go ahead with that anymore. And we didn't get the incredible Del Toro Lovecraft adaptation. And so anyway, I could see, like, he's literally the only person who I think has the the sensibility, the right eye, and the right mentality to do it, but uh, I'm not say, I'm not writing it off. I'll, I'll say okay. that I'm not writing it off. But goddamn, did I get anxious right away? I understand that. my My favorite, uh, we'll say, adult book because my favorite book of all time is The Phantom Tollbooth, which I read as a ten year old and instilled in me a love of grammar. Uh, so that I can't say is my favorite book in my oh god mid thirties. I'm ancient. Um, so uh, my favorite adult book is Mistborn by Brandon Sanderson. And anybody who got announced to do a Mistborn movie, I would be like, No, you're not going to do it right. And I don't like this. There's no way. So right. I can understand that. But I do have to say that I was trying to find out all the articles I saw just said James Wan is making this. It did not say whether he's producing, directing or writing. Yeah, I, or I, I had that thought which as of well. Those. So I am curious to see if he signs on as writer and director, I will be very. But maybe he will do one of those roles and somebody will do something else. And we'll be like, oh, OK, like maybe Guillermo does one of those other things if because he, they're like, uh, oh, you wanted to do a thing. Yeah, if he's just uh, if he's just like if this is one of those things that's going to be part of that uh, that uh, James Wan uh, Blumhouse uh partnership and he's maybe just sort of serving in a producing and and maybe a writing role uh I'll, I'll be a little bit more comfortable with the idea if he's not the guy in the director's chair and i just mm -hmm. yeah that's uh we just talked about the barbie movie and i like the barbie movie i like some greta gerwig's movies Mistborn's my favorite book. If they put her in that role and said she's making the Mistborn books, I'd be like, oh, fuck no. Oh, no. So I get it. Of right. like this style, I can't imagine working, but I'll I'll hold out hope. Yeah. I understand it. It's not a yeah, thing against sure. James Wan, even though he's wonderful. Oh, That's man. It. Well, I mean, uh, I can remember I can remember back in uh, in late 98 or, or mid 98 uh, when it was announced that uh, they were moving forward with. Uh, uh, full-scale adaptations of Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, and the person who was going to be making it was Peter Jackson of The Frighteners and Dead Alive and Meet the Feebles. And I was just like, oh. oh meet the Feebles, dear God. Really? <laughs> that guy. Now, to be fair, there was a part of me that was like, okay, that could work I because I'm, I was a fan. I was a fan already at that point. The first Peter Jackson movie I ever saw was The Frighteners, 
and I was a fan from that point forward. I sought out his other stuff. Uh, but even at that time, like, like he, like he endured so much, uh, like even me, I was like, wow, that, I mean, I guess it could be okay. It could, it's, it's it, that's going to happen with any legendary, uh, property. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean, God, I hope it's good. I really hope it's good. <laughs> uh, are you ready to move on to literature, which I'm, I will make very quick. Please, please do. Okay. Uh, I read a book that I really did not like this month, and I was debating whether I was going to name it. It was recommended by one of the listeners, so if you pick up on this clue as to what I'm talking about, uh, we can discuss it specifically. Um, But uh, I decided I'm not going to name it because I am about to say that I really don't like it, and it was by such a small independent writer that it feels like I'm going out of my way to trash a small artist if I just say, like, here's this book you've never heard of. It fucking sucks, you know? (laughs) Like that would feel like a dick thing. But uh, basically there was a a book mentioned in one of the comments and I was like, oh, that sounds hardcore. I'm very interested in it. Um, And at a certain point near the end, it just becomes extremely grotesque in the physical harm that it does to the woman in the book. And uh, I am not a squeamish person. I don't need trigger warnings. I, I mean, I get triggered by things. I'm not super not supernatural what's the word i'm looking for i'm not like an invincible human uh who doesn't but um like nothing like that really gets under my skin and even i was like oh this is intense and yet i didn't like it and i was like hmm i wonder what's wrong with me not liking this because i'm always saying that i want to read the extreme shit and i wish things would go over that line more often so then I needed a palate cleanser and I went to one of my favorite authors, Chuck Palahniuk, who arguably has done some of the grossest things in literature. But arguably? Yet did not do them. Uh, yeah, arguably. Uh, maybe not. Okay. I've read some fucked up stuff. I also really like Richard Lehman and he might be worse. Um, so Chuck Palahniuk, uh, I went to some of my comfort books uh, and one of those comfort books was Snuff. Which is uh, where 600 men, or is that 160? I don't remember. Several men uh, sign up to do a uh, multiple person sex scene with only one woman. And it begins the book by saying none of us uh, intended to make a snuff film at the start of this. So you can only imagine. World's biggest gangbang porno is what we're talking about here. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I'm yep. pretty sure it's like 600 dudes. Yeah. I was going to say, I think it's like 612 or something, but I can't remember if I was just fucking up It's a ridiculous Yeah, because they're like, no human woman can stand that. Um, So then I I read that book and I was like, huh, that was like way more fucked up in a different way. Why did I enjoy that? And then I went back to one of my favorite books of all time, which is Consider This, Moments in My Writing Life After Which Everything Was Different by Chuck Palahniuk. And it is just a book about writing. I don't read these kinds of books because I am intending to be a writer. I read these kinds of books because I really like to analyze what works and what doesn't. I read movie writing books for the same reason, uh, stage stuff. I really just like the why behind it. And uh, it really just came down to a part of his book clicked with me of if you're going to write a book, don't write a book that could be portrayed in a movie because why would you bother? You should be making a movie then. And um, that's all to say that I didn't like the first book that I read that was purely about torturing a woman. And I realized because I could just envision it and watch a movie and none of it would matter. I don't know what the point of any of this was, except that Chuck Palahniuk is really fucking good and he's my comfort. 
He's, uh, I mean, he's something. I had very strong opinions about the book, but I just don't want to get into it because it feels like trashing a small time. I, uh, I don't want to do that. I, here's what I love about what just went on here is Michelle was like, I'm just going to tell you guys about this terrible literary experience that I had. I'm not going to tell you what it was or what I think you should avoid. I'm just going to tell you that I had a bad experience. This is the therapy portion of the show. Exactly. Well, I think because then I went on a journey that I did not mean to go on. Uh, And that's why I was like, fuck, do I talk about this book? Because I want to talk about Chuck Palahniuk inevitably. Um, Because I went from that book and I was like, oh, well, I'll go read something that I know I'll like. And I'm working my way through all of Chuck's books. Um, We're on first name basis now. Me and Chuck are close. Uh, Sometimes call him Charles for jokes. Uh, Chuck and I, uh, I read, went to read one of his that I hadn't read before, which was titled fucking snuff. So I knew I was going to get into something. And then I was like, huh, why did that work? But yet the other book that is purely just torturing a lady and still from first person perspective, why did that not work for me? And that's all to say, go read Chuck Palahniuk's writing book and then write again. The, the small artist does have like small author does have a lot of books and I think I'm going to go read more of them. I'm curious if it was just this one or if they're all like this. Um, so I'm going to go on a journey and I, I probably won't be uh, happy and I'll, you guys will you. never hear about it. I, uh, oh my God. I, oh shit. Whoa. So, Hey guys, there's a weird jump right there. Uh, guess what? JD's internet still fucking sucks. God damn it. I need to get a new internet provider. Uh, for you, nothing happened. We just time traveled. Uh, our connection went all completely to shit. Uh, I believe we were talking about Michelle's uh obsession with Chuck Palahniuk. I do want to say that like uh, I've read a decent amount of his stuff, but not a lot of it for a while. I do think some of his earlier stuff uh was really good. I think my favorite uh, uh Chuck book was Lullaby. I'm a big fan of that mm-hmm. one. Uh, Lullaby is good, and uh, I also really liked uh, Survivor. Uh, uh, Survivor is uh, on my list. I have not read that one. I own it. It's high on my list. It's just a, we'll say, different writing style than his more conventional books. Um, and so it uh, took me a little bit to get oh, into it. Either that or I rant, also, I, I get mixed up. I also really enjoyed Diary. Uh, those, uh, in fact, really, now that I'm looking at this list, those first several, Fight Club, Survivor, Invisible Monster, here's where... Uh, things started to go wrong is some of the stuff in Haunted. Oh, uh, Haunted's my favorite because it's an anthology, and I was gonna tell right. you. Of course, some, I like the anthology. Some of the, the there's the the story like with the with the uh, the the CPR trainer and like obviously guts is a sort of well known thing in 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 his world. Uh, I don't know. There was something about that that just was off-putting to me. I didn't read Rant, and then I read Snuff, and I was just like, "Nah, I don't need any more of this." I love uh, and it so I stuff. haven't read. I haven't read anything he's done since Snuff. But those first, uh, especially though, now that I'm thinking about it, Lullaby and Diary. Diary's the one uh, uh, about the island uh, and the, the people who live there. Uh, and yeah, that's those two. I really, really enjoyed. I am a fan of all of his stuff. I've never read anything that I completely disliked. There have been some things where I'm like, meh, not my favorite. Uh, but nothing where I'm like, man, I hate that I read that. 
Um, right on. So I, I love him. One of my favorite authors. By this far. is uh, this is going on a pretty long ass episode, Michelle. What else do we got to talk about? I don't have a problem no. with that, by the way. I just was just noticing the time. I well, oh, so I just thing. we had so much good shit to talk about when I thought this was going to mm-hmm. be a quick episode, but Godzilla oh, well, minus one Barbie. Oh, uh, I, I, I'm honestly afraid to look back at the waveform here and see how many times I just. Ramble, ramble, rambled for God knows how it. many minutes. Just don't do it. Just don't look at it. <laughs> I have to. I have to edit the vid- the fucking podcast do together, it Michelle. Looking. I gotta I gotta clip out like thirty seven minutes of dead space there when we nobody knows we were gone. Literally dead space <laughs> because my audio is asking when I should take off my helmet as I'm floating away from the spaceship and I'll never see my family oh. again. Right now, somebody is piecing <laughs> together that we record this show in two separate uh, audio uh, uh, waves and then edit it together. And they're like, why the fuck do you do that? And look, the answer is, I don't know. Shut up. We're not professionals. It would be, <laughs> we, I, oh, as opposed to recording, because I was like, well, we'd have to hang out otherwise. What's it's the like, No, I just mean, like, like why do why don't we just, like do this call but just record oh, all the audio, audio on one probably. side because when yeah, we did probably. it on one side it was bad <laughs> yeah if you're yeah, an expert it's... in that kind of stuff hit us up tell us well, one of these one of these days hey hey you want us to you want us to find a better way to do this podcast than editing two waveforms together uh uh kick us a sponsorship <laughs> yeah, oh god what he said <laughs> yeah uh oh, look guys we could uh, we could use some money anyway uh <laughs> and wine uh, i'll take sponsorship see, in the form of white wine Moscato, sure preferably. yeah uh so i i don't i have nothing much more to say except to just reiterate guys see godzilla minus one uh if you're not the kind of person who's just like, I can't watch anything at all that's not a horror movie uh see barbie this movie is so much more than you will ever expect it to be. Uh, also, uh, like I said, if you're a horror fan and you haven't ever seen them, go watch those Bava classics, especially Black Sunday and A Bay of Blood. A Bay of Blood I didn't mention earlier, but it had an alternative title that I really wish they had gone with because it's poss- it, it's possibly the only title I've ever heard that might be better than the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and that title is... Twitch of the Death Nerve. Oh, that sounds uncomfortable. Twi- yeah, Twitch of the Death Nerve is oh. a fucking heavy title. I anyway, like yeah, go watch. Funny bone. That feels like a twitch of my death nerve. <sighs> go watch like all that. of that shit, guys. Like that what do you got all. to wrap up on, Michelle? I got fucking nothing. I am tired. I'm in a bad mood. I think I'm gonna go start Miles Morales. I think it's time to well, start a new video game. I think we're there. Fucks. Great. Say goodnight, Michelle. <laughs> Good night, Michelle. We Watch Shudder is a production of Rat Factory Media, your home for all of today's Rat Factoryist podcasts. The views and opinions of the hosts and guests of We Watch Shudder are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of Rat Factory Media. But wait, aren't Rat Factory Media and We Watch Shudder the same people? Shut your cake hole, Charlie. Nobody asked you. We Watch Shudder is available free on all major podcast platforms, and the easiest way to support We Watch Shudder is also free. Just leave a rating and review on your platform of choice. 
merge your consciousness with ours on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. We're at We Watch Shutter on all those social media platforms. Or find us the old-fashioned way on the web at WeWatchShutter.com or by email at mail at WeWatchShutter.com. Heck, you can even leave us a voicemail at 701-566-9510. No, seriously, 701-566-9510. Try it if you dare. Alright guys, this is maybe only going to be interesting to about a half a dozen of you, but we had some technical difficulties in that episode Yeah, right at the end there. We uh, we did the little time travel bit. Uh, I said I think uh, it was 37 minutes. It just felt like 37 minutes. It was actually only about four minutes uh, while we were putting things together. But the reason we were able to successfully save this episode and bring it all back together is because Michelle and I both kept rolling on our sides uh, of the the call, but of course, since we both had uh, the tape still rolling, and because we're neurotic weirdos, uh, we both kept saying things and had random stuff recorded, and when I edited the whole show together, well, just listen. What? Shit. Did you stop recording? I'm just going to keep this rolling, just going to keep this okay. rolling. Just gonna keep what this happened? rolling, Michelle. Please just keep Are rolling. Are you still there? Because I Michelle. don't see the image. Please just keep rolling. Do we just lose Please video? just keep rolling. Lose audio? Please just keep rolling. Hello? Oh my god, I didn't pay attention. Hello? Michelle, Hello? please just keep rolling. Are you there? Please tell me you're there. SOS? Hello, Michelle. Hello, Michelle. Say goodnight, Michelle. Where are you? Oh, my God. What's going on? What's going on? Just keep recording. What's going on? Oh, my God. 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 Just keep recording. Just keep recording. Just keep rolling. 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 Rolling. Just keep 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 rolling. Oh, please just keep rolling. Oh, I hope this connects. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on. Let me turn on video. Can you hear me though? Why, 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 How you know I would not survive in space. It's only been a minute and I am bored. I can't entertain myself. Do I take the helmet off? Is now the moment? Is this when I should give in? Will I ever see JD's phone? Like I'm about to when I take off my helmet. Hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
Yep. Come on. Come on, come on. Hey. Uh oh. I cannot see or hear you. Are you there? Oh no. God damn it. <laughs> Like I'm still alone in the darkness. Oh, I heard a sound for like a millisecond and then it went away. Still don't see you. Oh. Now I see a profile picture. Can you hear me? Hey! Yeah. 